Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, a product of Talent 409. I'm your host, Colin Cernelia. Go to talent409.com to see how we can help your team or organization with their leadership and culture development. On each episode of the pod, we'll bring you conversations with people that display the seven pillars of dynamic leadership. Someone who possesses those seven pillars has courage, driving accountability, integrity, grit, great communication skills, a high level of emotional intelligence, and they can motivate others. Have questions for me or a guest? Email Colin, C-O-L-I-N, at talent409.com. And let's chat. This podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Radio.com, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. If you like the show, please take a minute and on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Help us find other dynamic leaders and help dynamic leaders find us. On to my featured guest. Today I have on Kelsey Stewart. Kelsey is a USA softball infielder who's also a part of the USA softball Olympic team. She played college softball at the University of Florida. And in this conversation, we talk about what she learned from her experiences winning national championships in college and now being able to represent her country in the sport that she loves. It's a super interesting conversation. You are going to love this one. So let's not wait any longer. Here is my talk with Kelsey Stewart. On the line with me, I have Kelsey Stewart. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to get into what we have to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to hear that you're excited. And I think uh, you are going to be an Olympian for the first time. Is that correct? That is correct. And I'm so excited about it. It's still so surreal. Like We just got the team named a couple months ago, but it still hasn't hit me. I'm waiting for the day for it to hit me. <laughs> well, it's great that you've been named to that Olympic team. And as such, I think you're the first Olympian that I've had on the podcast. So congratulations there. But I want to give you an opportunity to tell the listening audience you're obviously more than just an Olympian athlete. But please tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? My name is Kelsey Stewart. I am from Wichita, Kansas. Honestly, I love the sport of softball. Um, I do it because I love it. And my goal in life is to lead people better than I've met them, found them, whatever the case may be, but leave the situation better than I found it and really just put a great mark on this world. Cool. So it seems like you have a super positive outlook on life. Was that something that your upbringing, maybe your parents or your guardians, they were able to install in you that type of attitude? Yeah, I definitely think my parents and my grandparents were very influential in that. They really helped me, especially with softball, because softball is a failure sport. So being able to change the narrative of a game of failure is super important. But on top of that, I think as I've gotten older, I realize like life can be short and it's why be negative, why think of everything that could go wrong instead of thinking of all the positive things and being happy throughout life. Yeah, that's a great perspective to have for sure. So, well, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's talk about, obviously, softball is what you're doing right now, but I imagine that you might have played some other sports growing up. Can you just give us a quick scope into what your athletic upbringings were like? Um, Let's see, I played soccer, I did track, volleyball, and then I did gymnastics until I was 16. 
And then I also did basketball. I was probably around 14 or 15, and I started getting a bunch of letters from different schools, and my parents were like, you're kind of good at softball, maybe we should think about it. And I'm like, yeah, and they're like, you can go to school on a full ride, you know, like, you don't have to pay for anything, you won't be in debt after school. And I'm like, okay, so then after that point, then it's kind of starting to my focus towards softball. So was softball something that you always wanted to play or was it just something that you happened to be obviously super good at and it just led to the next opportunity? It doesn't it doesn't necessarily sound like that you were totally in love with it, although I don't want to make any assumptions. Yeah, I, I mean, I always loved softball, but I love all sports. So I was really into basketball. And I was really into volleyball and track and I, I loved those sports as well. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like, in my brain, I was going to go to college and be a multi-sport athlete. Like, that's what I wanted to do. But then as I got older, I'm like, okay, if I want to be good at softball, I have to give my attention to this sport. Because it's, it's a sport where you have to be good at everything. Like, the fundamentals of the game are so important. You can't just take two weeks off of it and expect to come back and be great. So it's one of those things where, yes, I did love it. But it came to the point where, like, how good did I really want to be? So can you talk to us a little bit about what your recruiting process was like and maybe more specifically get into detail about why you ultimately ended up at Florida? Yeah, so I was very blessed and lucky enough to have received a scholarship from pretty much anywhere in the country I wanted to go. So it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, finding the perfect fit for me, whether that was close to home, far from home, whatever the case may be. And where I went wrong, well, actually right, is I, visit, I visited Florida first. And so then when I went visited Florida, I absolutely loved Coach Walton. Everything he stood for, everything he was about was kind of like what my dad was. And my dad was, is my forever coach. So growing up, that's who I was with. And even now, like I said, with my dad. But that was something I wanted when I went to college somewhere that felt like home. So then when I started going on all these other visits, I kept comparing everything to Florida and how Florida was. And so then that's ultimately why I picked Florida because at the end of the day, I was comparing all the other schools to Florida. So that's how I ended up there. So obviously your dad, among other people, is a super big influence in your life. And you mentioned that one of the reasons that you picked Florida is because the qualities and the attributes, the things that Florida University and then the Florida Gator softball team stood for closely resembled the way that your dad brought you up and the things that he believes in. Can you talk to us a little bit about what specifically some of those attributes or some of those qualities might've been? Yeah, I think um, one of the big things obviously was winning. Like you, when you go to a program like Florida, OU, UCLA, whatever it is, when you get there, like there's no other expectation than you're going to win. And that's one thing, like I'm a competitor. I love, I hate to lose more than I love to win. So I needed a program that was going to push me in every aspect of that. And it's really a, a program where you work hard. Like, there's no days off. Like, you're going to go hard. The person next to you is going to push you just as hard. Coach is going to push you even harder than the person next to you. And I love that atmosphere. Um, one group having a common goal and everyone buying in. Like, when I was at Florida and I was on my visit, everyone had bought in to the program. And that's something that if you're going to win a championship, everyone has to buy it. You can't have people thinking they can do their own thing. And everyone in that program bought in. They were hard workers and they knew exactly what they wanted to do on the field. And that's something that I really admired. So when you were in the recruiting process, it's 
in many ways, much like an interview process for people who have moved on from sports, moved on from college, and they're in the business world and listening to it. When you're hearing the pitch from the company, this is what our culture's like. This is what you can accomplish if you come on board with us in the recruiting process. And I played baseball growing up, so I'm somewhat familiar with it, although not at the high level that you did. But you're getting pitched, right, in in a way where they're telling you, maybe they tell you some of the negatives, but for the most part, you're only hearing the positives. So it's one thing to hear that when you're going through that process, but then it's another thing entirely when you get to the university, when you get to the college and you get integrated into the program. Can you talk to us about how you acclimated once you actually got to Florida, like what that process was like? Yeah, I think that um, when I was being recruited, like you said, you only really hear the positives, never really the negatives. So I think it's very important as an athlete, as someone going to play college, you ask the tough questions because you will never find out and you might get there and end up hating it. But I think it's really important to ask the tough questions. So then when you get there, you're not really surprised. Um, I was really lucky to go to Florida where it's like a big family. Like Coach Walton is very family oriented. And so that's kind of what his program is like. So it was um, probably, I think, as a freshman in my class, I was one of the easiest transitions, only because, like, also when I was growing up, like, I would leave for weeks without my parents because my travel team, that's just kind of how it operated. It operated kind of like a college team. So I was lucky enough to be able to do those kinds of things. And then, like, so when as soon as I started missing my family, it was, like, go time for softball. Or, like, as soon as I started missing my family, it was time to go home for Thanksgiving and things like that. But I think you're busy all the time, so I didn't really have time to miss home or do all those different things where, like, one of my friends, Taylor Fuller, who was on the podcast before, she lived 45 minutes from home, so she could drive home anytime she wanted. So I think that it was easier for me only because I feel like I had kind of experienced it in spurts as I was going through high school. And then the people I surrounded myself with, with, which was my teammates, they made it an easier transition for me because they've been there. There's lots of girls from California, so they understood what I was going through. And it's easy to talk to them and have great communication. Yeah, obviously it's going to make the situation a lot easier if you have people that you want to be surrounded with when you can't be around your blood family members. So that's awesome. And can you talk to us a little bit more then about, so you mentioned that very family-oriented what were some of the things that you did, whether it was on a softball field or off the softball field as a team together, where you were able to learn more about one another and able to build that trust that ultimately carried over into competition? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, my freshman and sophomore year, when I when we were there, uh, we had to go on a date with every single person on our team. So, <laughs> like, you had to have that one-on-one time with, like, even if it was just going to get cookies or whatever it was. So I was able to learn about every single person on my team, a little something. So then I was able to be able to communicate. And I remember, like, most of the things I remember about college working on the field, it was, like, in the locker of dancing, where, like, we went laser tagging, and our team's so competitive. We're, like, hitting each other with guns and, like, all kinds of stuff. So those are the things I really remember is the bonding outside of softball and going to football games and doing all that stuff. So I remember Taylor telling me about the dates. And I also think I remember her talking about when you would go over to coach's house and it was some type of art night, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah we used to have um, 
team craft night. Yes. What was so your all, all kinds of stuff. What what was your overall perspective on team craft night? I thought it was so much fun. Um I realized lots of my teammates are not very artistic, but <laughs> Um, other than that, I thought it was a lot of fun. And really, the main reason I love to go is because um, Coach Rocha, who's now OU, the pitching coach at OU, she makes the best guacamole I've ever tasted <laughs> in my life. <laughs> well, that's certainly a good reason to want to go. I, I love good guacamole <laughs> myself. So <laughs> that's really cool. So you obviously have a ton of success at Florida, whether that's team, individual, and then we're getting to the point. So when did it start to become real where you thought you might be able to continue playing after college? Cause a lot of the people that I end up talking to, whether it's on this podcast or just in general, and you've seen the commercials that what's it 99.7% of collegiate level student athletes go professional in something other than sports. So for the majority of the people that you're surrounding yourself with in this bubble of sports, they're not going past the collegiate level, at least at a competitive level, right? So what was it like for you to know that there might be some possibility to play after college? And when did that really start to get serious? Um, so I found out there was a pro league probably my sophomore year of college. Um, uh, this is actually my seventh year on Team USA, so I've been playing with USA for a while now. But I think that it got kind of serious my junior year when I'm like, okay, like I want to continue to do this. Like you can go overseas and make money. You can travel the world and play softball. People love softball around the world. And that's one of the coolest things about our sport. So I think it probably got serious around my junior year. And then that was kind of around the time that the Olympics were starting to get talked about and how, Oh wow, we have a chance to get back in the Olympics. And it was still in the bubble and things like that. So it was one of those things like I had to decide if I wanted to really tuck it out and wait it out and see what happens. And luckily I did. And now I'm playing this with my, oh my gosh, fourth year out of college. That's crazy. I'm old. Fourth year out of college. <laughs> and now I am training to go to the Olympics. What was the difference between being recruited by colleges versus moving into the professional realm? Like, was it much more business-like and did you really have any say in the opportunities or was it you just got drafted, you end up going where you get selected and you start playing? Yeah, so the pro league and the professional side of softball, it's definitely a lot more business-like. In college, they care about you as people. Mm-hmm. Where I'm not saying professionally they don't care about you as people, but they are more into the business. Like, you need to perform, you need to get it done. Or like, sorry. Sure. And that's just kind of how it is. But I think that with USA, we have really great people as long as well as people that can play great softball. So we're lucky with that. But professional-wise, I think that in the United States, softball has a, a ways to go to grow the sport. And we're continually working on that every single day. But professionally, is definitely different. Like, it's not as structured as colleges. You don't know day-to-day. Like, you get up, you do your own thing. For college, you're together 24-7. Professionally, you're not really together 24-7 like that. Sure. Do you feel because of that cultural change, if you will, where it is much more business-like and it's, like you said, if you're not performing, then you're going to be without a job. Whereas in college, it might be a little bit more of a softer landing if you don't perform. Do you feel like there's an extra amount of pressure that you've had to learn how to deal with as a result of that? 
Yeah, I definitely think that your mentality changes slightly because now, like, your money depends on you performing well. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, getting right mentally, because I think softball is, I, as soon as you get to the level that I'm competing at and my teammates are at, it's 90% mental at that point. Like, we've been playing the game so long, we can do most of it in our sleep. Sure. So I think that was something I kind of struggled with a little bit was, learning that pressure really is a privilege. Like it's not something that you put, like people would die to be in the positions that we're put in every single day. So I think it's one of those things like learning to accept that. And one of my favorite quotes that literally discussed into me the other day again, but was work ethic eliminates fear. Michael Jordan said it, but it's what it's like. So true. If you work, if you do everything you can in practice, you go hard. Like it's a game every single day. You do all the little things. Like what do you have to do in the game? You, you already do it every single day, so what's different about it in the game? Yeah, let's dig deeper into that. So you bring up a really good point about just success in general and how I think as a society, it, being complacent is really easy to fall into that bucket nowadays. And I don't know if it's because it's on social media and we just see it more, but being complacent, I think, is something that is really easy, especially once you taste success, like it's, it's one thing when you're fighting to get something for the first time, whether you're an individual or a team, but it's another thing to get that success and then be able to keep going afterwards and keep pushing as hard for more. And as I talked about earlier, you've obviously had your share of team success and individual success. And now you're in a higher pressured situation where you need to perform for your livelihood, but also because you just probably enjoy the sport still. So how do you stay motivated when it probably is on your mind at least to say some days where, man, I I wish I could just take a break from this or why do I have to go through this training again? I mean, you hear it from professional athletes all the time when they retire, it's because they don't want to go through that mental, that mental drive that you talked about earlier. So how do you stay motivated to keep pushing through all that? Yeah, this is um, a very interesting topic because I actually just kind of figured it out for myself. Um, it sounds actually crazy because when we won in 2014, at that point in softball, we had kind of done everything possible for the sport. Like, we won a national championship. So it's was like, okay, what now? And then our team was like, well, let's win another one. You know, so it was like, okay, well, we need the grind. We need everything. So then after my transition out of college, I kind of did lose a little motivation and that fireness. Like when I get on the field in college, it was like, okay, like, let's go. Like you can't beat me. Like I would, I was always trying to beat the person in front of me, never looking inside. So it was one of those things like I, I was kind of struggling, like, what am I going to do? Like, do I love softball? Do, am I still competitive enough for this? Like it was, it was going through my head in and out. And so finally I kind of talked to a former athlete who, played at Florida, he played in the NFL, and he did all those things, and I'm like, okay, so, like, what is it? Like, how do you do it? And so then he, he made me read a couple books, and then it was one of those things, like, Tom Brady, one of the things that makes him so good is it's me versus me. Every single day, he's trying to be better than he was yesterday. Mm-hmm. So once I figured that out, okay, I'm competing with myself. I'm not competing with anyone else. I'm not comparing myself to the next person playing third base or the next person hitting, I'm literally competing with myself every single day to be the best version of myself. How can I beat myself or how can I be my yesterday self today? So learning that has really 
I felt like took my game to another level that I didn't know I had. So I think that is one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give to someone is learn to compete against yourself and make yourself a better version of yourself every day. So now that you've identified that for yourself, do you feel like you're able to pick up on it for your teammates or the people that surround you? Like if you saw someone for some reason they were off about this or they were struggling with that. Now that you've been able to identify and turn that corner, do you think that you'd be able to help someone get to that point as well? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, it's again, crazy that we're talking about this. We, I was literally just talking to my teammates the other day and it wasn't that we can't find the motivation to do it, but there's some days where we train on our own and it's hard to get up and do it because our teammates aren't there. So it's one of those things where, like, we, we're really good at communicating. One thing, our team is we're super close. So we're all like sisters. We fight like sisters. We love like sisters. So we go to each other for advice. And so it's very easy for any of us to kind of give it to each other straight. So that's one of the things that we're all working on is me versus me. And then, like, coming together as a team and then us versus us. Hey everyone, Christine here to talk about a sponsor of this show, my own business, Sweat With Stods. Head over to sweatwithstods.com to get the workout that suits your needs, whether you work out at home, in the gym, or you're brand new to fitness, there's something for everyone. Podcast listeners also get a special discount with code DYNAMIC at checkout, so be sure to head on over there after this. Thanks, and back to the show. Let's go a little bit deeper with the leading aspect, just in terms of an on-field leader in college, now in the pros, and now in the Olympics in the future. What type of leader would you say that you are on the field? I think I'm more of a lead-by-example kind of leader on the field. I don't usually talk a lot. I'm very uh, fiery, and I don't like when people try me or my teammates. But I think I lead by example, and I'm going to go hard. I will take one off the face to win a gold medal, and that's just kind of who I am and, like, how I lead on the field. Do you feel like you're the same type of leader off the field, or do you feel like you need to adapt in a different way to get your leading across because it may not be as pressured of a moment or as stressful a situation as it is when you're in game competition? I definitely think that I adapt outside of softball. Outside of softball, I have more of a voice, and I kind of stand up for my teammates or speak my mind of things that I personally don't feel is right or not sitting well with uh, myself or my teammates. So I think it's just differently more off the field. I'm a little more vocal than I am on the field. I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer for this. I'll preface that with that. But do you think that having those different approaches – helps you relate to more of your teammates versus if you just had one that you streamlined through both and maybe you weren't able to connect with other teammates? Have you found that it works in one setting maybe and it doesn't work in another one? What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I definitely think being able to adapt is something that will help you in life, regardless of just being with the team, but being able to adapt and take the punches and roll with what's happening will only make you more of a solid person and have a solid foundation of life. And so I think that being able to adapt to what's going on when I know my voice needs to be heard or when it doesn't need to be heard is something that is actually learned, but I've really caught on to as I've gotten older. And it does help me being able to relate to my 
teammates because some of them don't need words, they just need action. Some of them need me to say something where others don't really need it. So I think one of my teammates do has helped me figure out what kind of leader I need to be on and off the field. So a lot of us, we learned through failure or through a moment of adversity. Can you point towards something in your athletic career where it switched for you? Like your mindset shifted from one thing to another because of X. Was there a moment that stands out? I think that in 2018, during that summer of USA, I wasn't getting as much playing time as I wanted. I Obviously, as an athlete, you want to play every single pitch. You want to do everything you can for your team. And I just wasn't getting as much playing time as I personally wanted. So I really had to find something within myself to stop being selfish and really cheer on my teams and team in those moments. And then at the end of the year, we were trying to qualify for the Olympics at World Championships in Japan. And I actually hit the walk-off hit to win the game and qualify for the Olympics. So that was kind of a time where I shifted my mind. Like, it wasn't about me. Like, it was about my team. Like, yes, softball is a team sport, but you have to be selfish within the sport in certain situations. So me learning that to be more of a team player than I was really changed my narrative and everything about how I play softball. I love that story, and I'm – Glad that you got the opportunity to get the big walk-off hit, but I love the story because that was that was the cherry on top, right? Like you didn't know yes. that that was going to happen. You had changed your mindset before that without any guarantee that you were going to get more playing time or that you were going to have the opportunity to get the walk-off hit. So I love that story where you were able to change your mindset before getting what you wanted, essentially. Is that accurate? Very accurate, extremely accurate. It's it's really crazy because even like that summer, some of my closest teammates were coming up to me and it's like, you're different. And I'm like, okay, the bad way or good way? They're like, no, it's a good way. And then like, again, like you said, it was just a cherry on top to be able to do that for my team. It wasn't about me in that situation. It was all about me doing that for my team. Yeah, that's such a great story. Thank you so much for sharing that. So one of the first things that you talked about over the course of our conversation today is how softball is essentially, just like baseball, a sport of failure. If you're a Hall of Famer in baseball, if you're a great player in softball, you are, on the offensive side at least, maybe getting a hit every three three times out of every 10 at bats, which makes you a 300 hitter. And there's not, there's not any other sport out there where you can have a 30% success rate and be considered hall of fame worthy. How do you deal with the failure aspect? Because that is just a unique, I think to the sports of softball and baseball specifically, where you take such a mental beating in comparison to some of the other sports. Like if you're, if you're shooting 30% as a basketball player, you're not going to see the court. If you're shooting right. 30% as a golfer on, on putts that are 20 feet away, you're not going to make it. So how do you deal with the failure and be able to break through to those moments like you had where you got the big walk-off hit? Yeah, I think my mindset on this changed my freshman year of college. I think Coach Wallen saw in me how frustrated I was going, I was getting if I wasn't four for four every single game. So he kind of sat down and like talked it through with me. Like, you know, if you get three hits, out of 10 at-bats, like, people die to hit 300. And I'm like, oh, 
you know, I'm like, oh, that makes sense, you know, like, so being able to understand what that really means and, like, what failure really is in the game of softball really helped change my mindset on that, and then I think one of those things, it's like, you, you keep swinging, like, if you really sit down and think about it, it's one versus nine every single time you're hitting. Mm-hmm. Every single time you have to play, it's one versus nine, and for you to get a hit is unbelievable. When you really, when you really sit down and think about it, like, <laughs> For you to get a hit against nine people is crazy. Like, it shouldn't happen. It just really shouldn't happen. So being able to really understand what failure really means in the sport um, has changed my mindset completely. Yeah, and I think that's an important point to bring up for whatever sport you're playing or whatever business industry you might be in that the definition of failure may be a little bit different. Like, the degree of failure can vary depending on what you're doing. And so on top of that, another thing you had mentioned was just the importance of making sure that your mechanics are something that you put a primary focus on. And I know that a lot of folks in the business world, for example, one of the reasons that they're not successful is because they don't take that time to practice their mechanics and to get those aspects of their game, if you will, right. How do you throw that into the mix as well to say, hey, I'm going to spend a little bit of extra time. Like say you're say you're struggling with a particular mechanic and you've already been through practice. Like how do you go about getting that extra work in to solve something, knowing that your rate for success is already going to be very low and you don't want to put yourself behind the eight ball anymore? Right. I think um, surrounding yourself by people that want the same thing as you is very important, especially in the game of softball. So I'm very blessed to have coaches no matter when it is, what time it is. If I need something, they're out there with me. But I also have teammates that we all have the same common goal. So if I'm struggling with ground balls or I can't figure out my backhand, something as simple as that, like they're there to give me feedback and they'll roll me ground balls for 30 minutes until I figure it out, until I'm comfortable so I think getting comfortable with your fundamentals, but knowing yourself, because sometimes if I'm having a bad hitting rate, like sometimes I just need a day off. Like I don't need to think about my swing. I don't need to swing a bat. And that's just what I know I need. So knowing yourself and what you need to be great is very important. And you have to know your limits and not really push yourself past that because you want something so bad. So learning that, like I said, when I'm not hitting and I know that and I can't see the ball, okay, I just need a day off. Like, that's just what it is. I need to a break from my swing to figure it out. And that's just something I know I need personally. So getting my learning myself was probably the main thing, but then surrounding myself with people that helped me get to the common goal. Sure. And knowing your limits, I think, is an extremely important aspect that I want to highlight what you just said there. And then how do you hold yourself accountable to making sure that, so like, for example, when I was, I was, I played middle infield and one of the things my coaches said to me was that turning a double play should be like second nature. I shouldn't have to think about it. So there's a difference I think though, between doing something to the point where it can be second nature versus doing something to the point where you're not focusing on your mechanics and then become sloppy. So when it comes to game time, you're slow with your release hand coming up and these different type of aspects that only baseball, softball people would know. But how do you hold yourself accountable to know that 
you're still putting the amount of work in that you need to, but you're also putting in the right work. Like the quality of work is still there. Yeah. I think, um, when I'm training on my own, I always record myself. So then like I'll do 15 ground balls and I record myself and then I'll go watch them just to make sure that fundamentally I'm doing it correct so that I'm not practicing bad habits. But as far as team practice, it's a lot easier because the person next to you is holding you accountable and they know what you're capable of. So our short to Lady Spalding knows what I'm capable of and she knows when I can go get things that I can't get things and she'll be like, hey, you need to get that. So it's one of those things where like having that balance of not taking anything personal when your teammates call you out and tell you you can be better, but also knowing really like, like I said, one of my favorite quotes is work ethic eliminates fear. So how hard do you want to go so that when you get in those pressure situations in a game, five out of seven, down one run, you're up for a gold medal game. How are you going to handle it? Like, are you going to freak out or did you work so hard that this is just another day in the office? The practicality of recording yourself if you're all alone, whether you are working on the mechanics of a sport or you're practicing a speech. Like I just gave a keynote a couple of weeks ago and I recorded myself visually and in the audio version. And that just helped me so much with those mental reps and to see it. It's, I mean, when I was growing up, you had to like get an actual camera. How easy is it now just to set up your phone and do that type of recording? So uh, there shouldn't be any excuse not to be able to do it, especially if you're an athlete and you want to be able to see those things in real time. All right. So before we get into the wrap up of our conversation here, I want to talk about USA softball because that's awesome. It's exciting. I know you have a lot that is coming up here in the future, but what is it when you like really sit down and think about it if you've had an opportunity uh, to think about it. But what is it like to be able to represent your country and be able to play a game that you love? Yeah, it's really hard to put into words because it's really surreal on what's really happening in my life right now. But I think representing myself or representing something that stands for way more than who I am or what I believe in, but on a bigger scale is unbelievable. And being able to give back to the game and inspire the next generation of soccer players to have their beliefs, their values, and play at a high level and still be a badass woman is something that I love to convey in my message on and off the field. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit more about that, your responsibility, if you will, to make sure that young girls, women that are in high school, middle school, coming up and have an opportunity another four, eight years from now to play in the Olympics and represent their country. What is your responsibility as an athlete, but also as a woman to make sure that the people who are watching you know that they have an opportunity to follow in your footsteps? I think we just have to do a great job conveying that message that there still is hope for the Olympics in 2028 and you can be where I am and you have to work hard to be there. And I think respecting the flag, respecting your country and doing all the little things to be where we are is something that we do. I feel like our team does a great job on and off the field, whether we're just talking to the little girl and standing in line or we are doing a podcast, something that we convey that we love this game and that we will be there for you, whether it's in eight years or four years or however however long, whenever you need us, we are there to help you reach that goal. 
what do you think is looking ahead, obviously, but what are you most excited about for this whole opportunity? I'm excited really to be able to reach the masses of softball and really share our story as a team and what we believe in and our core values and our team, what we're trying to do as we go on this tour and on our way to the Olympics. And um, I have a lot of great teammates who are completely different, but we're all the same and we have the same common goal. So I'm super excited to obviously go to the Olympics, but be able to reach the masses while doing that. Awesome. So before we get to the final question here and we wrap everything up from our conversation, I want to give the listening audience, if they want to learn more about USA softball, keep up with the schedule and the results of games as those upcome much sooner than we probably think at this point, uh, is there a way that people can follow along with the program or maybe get in touch with you? Yeah, you can obviously follow me on all my social media. Um, I have Twitter and Instagram. I will help you with anything. But also, we are going on a tour, the Stand Beside Her Tour. So I believe the website is standbesideherntour.com. There you can find all of our, our list of all of our tour dates, our scores, where we're going to be, and really keep up with us as we travel to the Olympics. Awesome. I will do the digging and make sure that that is the correct website. Put that in the show notes along with anything else related to this conversation today for easy reference for all of our listeners. And Kelsey, before we let you go, so the show is called Dynamic Leaders. And obviously you're on the show because you're a dynamic leader yourself, but I love to give my guests an opportunity. There's obviously a lot of people that influence us in one way or another and help shape the way that we are as human beings. Is there a person that you can shout out today that stands out as a leader in your life? Um, Obviously, I think my parents are amazing leaders. But as far as my teammates, I would definitely say Valerie Ariota. She's one of those people that stands up for what she believes in, stands up for her people, and she really does a great job empowering others to be great women and great human beings. All right. Well, that is an excellent way to end the conversation. Those are great shout outs. Kelsey, we certainly appreciate you taking time to hop on the podcast today. And definitely I can say from myself and probably from a lot of the listeners who tune into this, that we wish you the best with this journey with USA softball. And we will certainly be following along as things get going, but can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your day today to hop on the pod with us. Thank you so much. I had a blast. Fun talking with you. Thank you again to Kelsey for hopping on the podcast. That was an awesome conversation, and I'm certainly excited to see how the USA softball team does here in the upcoming Olympics and follow along with Kelsey as I'm sure she's going to be a contributing member towards the success of that team. And we thank her again for the time that she took to hop on the podcast today. Quick shout out to my sponsor, Sweat With Stods. Go to www.sweatwithstods.com to figure out what she can do today for your fitness future tomorrow or in the very fast approaching 2020 year. That is the final guest episode of 2019, but that does not mean that we are done with podcast content for 2019. Still to come, there is a final episode of Behind the Seas with my wife, Christine. There is a final episode 
of the lion chat with Danny Fay. And then we are actually going to be rebroadcasting, as I've mentioned, two most popular podcasts of 2019 for the weeks of December 23rd and December 30th. So there's still plenty more to come here on the podcast. Please subscribe. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and review. I'm looking forward to finishing out the 2019 podcast season strong. And we have a lot of excitement and a lot of great guests and content lined up for 2020. 